Welcome to Give Pod, Greater Vancouver's business podcast, unpacking the challenges and opportunities facing our region. I'm Bridget Anderson, President and CEO of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. As part of our series on infrastructure and development, we wanted to pull back the curtain on how the construction sector is evolving and what it looks like to build in Metro Vancouver in 2022. Whether it's the ideation or the actual building process, there has been a fundamental shift from how things were built from even a decade ago. Joining us to share his insights today is Canadian Turner Construction Company Vice President and General Manager, Amit Patel. Thanks so much for doing this, Amit. Thanks, Bridget, for having me. So let's start off here with this exciting project that Turner Construction is involved in. It is uh, in Burnaby, an expansion project for Electronic Arts, one of the largest video game companies in the world. So tell us why this project is unique. Well, I got to say, Bridget, there's many reasons it's unique, but the most um, important to me is the project delivery model. Um, it's, it's a project that um, our client Kingswood Capital really entrusted us with, and it's, it's a design build model that we're doing where we were engaged from the, actually the onset, even before it was uh, planning or permitting, and we hired Dialog as our architectural integrated um, design consultant partner. And what was great about that is it allowed us to be in the room early as design formed to give costing feedback and schedule feedback. So the building was designed with that purpose in mind. And um, the, I'll give an example. One of the key features there is something as simple as column spacing and column sizing. When a building's built, there's numerous columns. There could be multiple various sizes used in different kind of forms. But we were able to partner with Dialog to come up with one standard column spacing that allowed us to reduce waste by having one set of formwork, which also helped productivity and it reduced cost and schedule. So, okay, so this sounds like it makes a lot of sense. Why isn't this approach taken more when it comes to construction? I think it's just the industry's uh, original model, which was typically the owner would engage with a consultant, consultants would um, design the building, and the contractor would be engaged pretty late after it's fully designed and permitting is already done. And in the traditional model, then there were asked to value engineer at times, but typically some of the things we would like to value engineer are already approved by the city and may require redrawing, redesign, and re-permitting. And it hinders our ability to make some of those changes. So it's been learning for me too. This is the first time I've been a part of a fully integrated project like this. Uh, But now seeing the benefit and and what we're able to provide for the end product for the client and how collaborative it's been with the designers, I I would want to work in this model for, for every project I'm on. I mean, that's idealistic. We'll never get to do that, but I would love to. And certainly indicative of the kind of growth that we're seeing in that sector. I mean, Vancouver and Greater Vancouver has seen lots of growth in tech overall, but even in the gaming sector. Absolutely. And as a kid, I was a video gamer and I've been fortunate in my career to work with a lot of gaming companies and they're probably the most fun client to work with because they're so creative and, and they love to apply that creativity in the spaces they work in. So you try and take a little time off to do some video gaming while you're on site? (laughs) Well, when I'm at home with my kids, yeah. (laughs) I want to hear more about your personal journey because it's pretty remarkable how you became vice president and general manager for Turner Construction's Canadian branch. So talk to us about how this came about and how you even came to our region. Yeah, it's it's an interesting story. I mean, I was born and raised in Vancouver. Um, 
And when I got my job with Turner Construction, I the job opportunity was in Seattle. So I moved there and lived there for seven years. Uh, but while I was there, I met my wife from here and we had a long distance relationship and she joined me in Seattle for three years. Um, and then we had our first child. And during that time, she battled postpartum depression. And so we, we reflected as a family and said, hey, you know, in this next phase of our life, what do we want to do? And we, we wanted to move back home to Vancouver. And I got to really thank Turner for this. They, they were so supportive and they said, you know, we're looking to start an office in Vancouver anyways. If you're interested, we'd move you and your family down and you could start this office. And, um, you know, that at that time, I was just 30 years old. I had, I had no clue what that meant. Um, but didn't know what with, you were getting into. <laughs> had no clue. And what was nice about it, was, though, was Turner was supportive. I had great mentors and leaders who helped me, um, but then also hiring some great folks that helped build this business. I mean, we wouldn't be where we are today without the people we have. And uh, I was very fortunate to have some great partners that helped build this business. And it's a big business now. I mean, it's North America wide. Yeah, well, yeah, actually the North America part, I mean, Turner's been in business for, you know, over a hundred years. Um, so our headquarters are in New York and um, we're, you know, we have 46 business units across North America. Um, and, you know, Vancouver is one of the newer ones for sure. Um, but we've grown it now to doing over 150 million a year in revenue and we have 120 employees. So it has grown over the 10 years fairly quickly. And that's what we love to hear about our region. Um, given that you're in construction and there has been a lot of dialogue and debate about what it's like to build in greater Vancouver, what has been your experience around permitting and red tape and some of the delays? Have you experienced that as well? Yeah, I think, you know, there are some delays on projects when it comes to permitting. I think the city of Vancouver in general has done a done a fairly good job to build their infrastructure to kind of couple with that growth. But what we're seeing in Vancouver is, is a tremendous amount of growth and in a fairly quick period of time. And, and some of these projects are in the billions. And so it's a, it's, it's new to the city. Um, I, but I will say my experience with the city has gone well when our consultants and ourselves uh, engage the city early in the process. And we understand what the rezoning and um, code requirements are for the project itself. And when we do that early and we get our documents um, properly submitted and fully complete sets submitted, those, pro those projects go through the timeline smoother. But if we don't completely submit properly right off the bat, then there are delays. So I think sometimes it's not always the city that's the problem. Sometimes we just have to engage them early enough and have more communication with them up front. Given that Turner is a North America wide company, um, you probably have had lots of conversations with your colleagues about how Vancouver stacks up to other regions when it comes to this, uh, this process, the construction process or the permitting process or development process. What could we learn in this region from other jurisdictions to make it easier and faster to build? It's, it's interesting. I think the jurisdictions that have had a large scale construction sector um, for a long period of time, they've, they've just built the infrastructure in place to handle it. Uh, but when I look at my counterparts that are in emerging cities that are also seeing this boom in construction, they have similar timelines when it comes to permitting. It's just longer because the capacity that city has may not be adequate enough to meet that demand. 
So I, you know, I said, oh, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead, Amit. I was just saying, I think the, the, as the city of Vancouver has grown, I'm seeing them also build their capabilities and capacity to, to meet that demand. You know, you think about the last couple of years, obviously so challenging for so many sectors and industries and the construction in, uh, sector just alone, you know, dealing with uh, some of the impacts of the pandemic. But then, you know, you look at what happened in the fall with the floods and even in the summer with the wildfires and then the resulting impacts of that around changes to or interruptions rather with the supply chain, huge increase in inflation. How is this um, roosting in uh, how is this coming to roost in, in your sector? What impacts are you seeing? We're definitely seeing it. Um, you know, I'm a part of a, a few projects right now, larger scale projects that are in the procurement mode. And what we're seeing is things that were typically 10, 12 week lead times are giving us 26, 29 week lead times. And, and really we don't have that transparency in those lead times till the orders are fully placed. Um, and, and the other part of that is, you know, you just mentioned, not only is it causing inflation, it's causing supply chain demand um, just because of the environmental issues we're going through. Um, so I think for it to get better, it's, uh, it's ultimately only going to get better when some of those supply chains open up, but also as the demand decreases a little bit as well. And I think probably not for our listeners of this podcast, but I would say, you know, more of the uh, outside of the business community, maybe hard to connect the dots on what that trickle down effect is around the supply chain issues. Um, it's not just impacting your company, it's impacting your clients, which then impacts individuals and businesses. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the government um, has released its economic plan, it's released its new, its uh, newest budget, and uh, this is the provincial government. And it said recently that there are a million jobs that need to be filled in the next decade. So are you seeing a labor shortage in your industry? And just how acute is it? We definitely are. Um, there's, there's not enough good workers to go around. And I think there's a couple of things. One, it's our growth in our sector. Our construction industry has just grown in terms of the volume of work we have year over year. Um, the other thing we're seeing is there's a lot of the aging workforce that are retiring and the new workforce coming in is not equal, I think, as well, right? So we need the mentorship and training for the younger workers also needs to be there, but we're losing that pretty rapidly. And, and I'm also seeing a gap in terms of, you know, educating, you know, K through 12 and high school kids, you know, what are the jobs that are out there from a construction perspective what does what are the various roles you could do in a construction industry and how do they actually do post-secondary or trade schools to help get in there? I think we have to do that, but I also think we're, we're going to have to do immigration as well. It's just our local supply of workforce won't be able to keep up either. So it's not just creating spaces post-secondary, it's educating kids in high school that there's other options besides university. Yeah, and giving them job shadow opportunities, like what does a day in an electrician's life look like or a, a construction professional's life look like? And so that they can see if, if they can see themselves in that role. And it's changed a lot, hasn't it? Oh, it has. Honestly, I, I've, I'm very fortunate to have a very diverse team of, you know, all ages, all, all ethnicities, the male-female ratio is of 60-40, which when I first started in the industry, it was not like that. So what does our region need to do over the next short term, say the next few years ahead to ensure that we are competitive and that we're attracting the talent that we need to the construction industry? I think things like hybrid work 
um, things about things related to work-life balance. Uh, when I was in when I first started in construction, the saying was, you know, you work 50, 60 hours a week and you just that's how you you know pay your dues. But the reality is people coming into this industry need to know that they can work here and still have a balance, be able to raise a family and 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 work and have an ability to actually you know live their lives too. And also be able to flexible to work from home sometimes. And I think construction typically wasn't that, but since COVID, we've learned that we can work remotely and we should be able to keep applying that. Yeah, I don't think that would come to mind for a lot of people. The perception is probably, you know, strapping on a some sort of tool belt and off you go to a site. But, you know, given the changes that we're seeing in the industry, it sounds like there's a lot more flexibility. Especially in our role as a general contractor, there definitely is. As speaking of changes, um, you know, and, and we're, we were talking just a few minutes ago about climate change and the impact that that's had on construction and this focus now around sustainability and environmental considerations. So what does that mean for Turner Construction as you consider yourself a green builder? And what does that actually look like day to day? You know, as a company, um, we've really looked at the carbon emission waste that happens on construction sites, we, we, our industry contributes 40% of carbon emissions, right? So for us to be a green builder, what we're looking at is really working with owners, consultants, trade partners towards solutions that actually reduce the overall carbon footprint that we have on our project. And, you know, that's, that's as simple as looking at how we reduce waste on our sites, similar to what I said about the columns earlier about Sanderson. It's every little bit helps. And I think we have to start changing the way we do our day-to-day business to reduce our carbon footprint. And that's what Turner's really taken a, a, a big step on in the last few years of reducing that footprint. So when you look into the future, what do you think some of the trends are to address climate change um, and, and even some of the issues you're seeing around supply chain issues? You know, I think early engagement from a design and construction perspective will, will happen. I think that collaboration is going to be driven by some of these risks that we have from a supply chain perspective. Um, I think similarly with sustainability, I think there's going to be a lot more collaboration around what, how can the design uh, be done in a way that is a lesser footprint. Uh, maybe that's why you're seeing more mass timber projects as well for that reason. But I also think there's a push in society to really have more diversity in construction. And when I say diversity, it's not just your trade partners, but the people we work with, making sure the teams that represent those projects are diverse. Um, and I also think that collaborative model of project delivery is, is seeing a slow uh, migration just because our people want to work in an environment where it, it's more collaborative and respectful versus the, you know, this is my silo, that's their silo, and that inner fighting that used to happen in the industry. It sounds like there's a lot of change in your industry. How do you keep up with all of it then? Yeah, honestly, it's really just being curious, observing and and going, being more fluid, I think, rather than having preconceived notions of how it should be. It's just really being open to change and listening to our teams, our workforce. Like, would they give us the best feedback on what needs to change and then actually making that change happen? That sure has been the lesson uh, for so many of us over the last couple of years. What would you say, as we round out the conversation, has been one of the greatest lessons you've learned over the last two years of this pandemic? You know, honestly, it's about resilience. And, 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 and for me, resilience equals to balance. Like having physical, mental, spiritual, social balance 
in life, when you have that balance, it just allows you to be more resilient as a person. And that's one of the things I've, I've, I've learned through COVID. Resilience is so true. And uh, seeing that come through so strong for so many in the business community. I mean, thanks very much. That's all the time we have today. And I really appreciate you speaking with us. Thanks, Bridget.